Dr. Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello and welcome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad you're here listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Thank you for being here. I'm about to play for you an interview that was broadcast over the radio a few years back. It is an interview with Emil Richards. He was born Emilio Redocchia on September 2nd, 1932. Emil passed away December 13th, 2019. I really enjoyed speaking to Emil. He was one of the legendary vibraphonists and percussionists in music. I was inspired to pull this interview out after listening to some of his own recordings. He was a musician his entire life. In fact, he played the xylophone starting at just, I think, six years old. And through the years of his life, he played and recorded with the best of the best. Charles Mingus, Perry Como, George Shearing, just to name but a few. He also toured with George Harrison and Frank Sinatra. He led his own group, the Microtonal Blues Band. He released some recordings. Find them, they're very interesting. To go on and list a few of the other people he worked with, George Duke, Frank Zappa, Robert Davi, Julie London, Hans Zimmer, so many. I understand why so many people wanted to work with him. He was a very sweet man. I hope you enjoy the interview, and just remember that the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by viewers and listeners like you. To contribute, just go to www.thepaulleslie.com. Then click on support the show. Enjoy the interview, and as always, let me know what you think. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our great pleasure to welcome one of the renowned percussionists in the world. Mr. Emil Richards, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Paul. I think most stories are best for the beginning. How did the music begin for you? Well, I was six years old, and my brother wanted an accordion. And my father, he was three years older than I was, and my father took him to the store to buy an accordion and made the mistake of taking me with him. And uh, naturally, I wanted something, too. And he's signing the papers for the accordion, and I'm pulling on his pant leg. I said, I want something, too, Pa. I want something. He said, don't bother me. I'm I'm busy here. I kept pulling on his leg, and he said, what do you want? So when he said that, I just pointed to the first thing I saw was the biggest thing in the store was a xylophone. I said, I want that. <laughs> so I got, well, he got six months free lessons with an, an xylophone with no legs that fit between two chairs and six months free lessons. So that's how I started. Tell us a little bit about your family. Well, my family are Italian or were Italian. They're gone now, but they were not musical. My grandfather was a fruit player in Sicily. And when he came to America, he he still played flute for the family, but he didn't play professionally. He, and he was the only musical one in the family. So, What is your birth name? My birth name is Radokia. Radokia? Yeah. Emilio Radokia. Even your name has a music to it. 
Of course, any Italian name. <laughs> so tell me about the first time you went into a recording studio. Oh, gosh, that was really young. Uh, I think I was about eight or nine, and my brother was three years older than I was. And we lived in Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, there was a show, something like the Major Bowls Hour, where they took kids in and uh, we performed. I can't remember. I've, I've got that record somewhere. It was a waltz, I think, we played, and he, he played accordion and I played xylophone. We played on the air. That was the first recording studio I ever went to. You've recorded with so many different artists, legends. Yes. To date, I've counted maybe 750 different artists that I've performed with, mostly on records, but also live. And Well, I worked quite a bit with Sinatra, and uh, George Shearing was one of the musicians I played with a lot, and uh, Frank Zappa, George Harrison, a lot. We became really dear friends, just on and on. Lucky life. Tell us about George Shearing. What George, was he like to work with? He was great. I was with the quintet for three years. We traveled. I was living in New York at the time. We traveled from New York to L.A. back and forth at least six times a year for the three years I worked with him. We we was mostly the U.S. We never went out of the country with George, but we traveled all across country, playing the big cities maybe five or six weeks at a time, and uh, all little one-nighters with colleges, and mostly colleges all the way across country, back and forth. We worked 51 weeks a year with George. Wow. Yeah. Tell us about the first time you met Frank Sinatra. Uh, I was in the recording studio. Uh, we were recording, and I had just moved to L.A. in 1959 and uh, started recording right away with Frank and everybody, actually. Uh, there weren't that many good mallet players, vibe players in, in uh, L.A. at the time, and records were really hot. We recorded with everybody. In those days... None of the groups played their own music. Uh, we played all of the music for the Beach Boys, Jan and Dean, uh, the Everly Brothers, on and on. I mean, none of those groups ever played their own music. We were a group called uh, the Wrecking Crew, a bunch of guys from L.A. that went in and did everybody's recordings in those days from 59, gosh, all through the 60s. I was averaging 19 record dates a week. I was really busy with records out here. That's what was happening. Uh, just a lot of records. The recordings that you made with Frank Sinatra, can you tell us about some of the songs that you played on? Just anything that went on from 59 on, I was with Frank on just about everything. And Frank didn't waste time. When he went in, he'd do a one-take <laughs> and uh, the engineer would say, Frank, uh, I'd like to get another one. And Frank would say, did you get it? Is it on tape? Yeah, we got it, but I, I could sure stand next. Hmm. 
It's post time. I got to get out of here. uh, Next. Let's just go on. He didn't like to mess around doing too many takes on on recordings. He was, uh, and you know, through the years, I've realized that you can be in the studio forever with a lot of artists. They just wanted to go over and over and over. After the first time, the musicians are bored. And I think Frank knew that. The first take is always the best. You can have a a little bit of an error or mistake, but you're not going to get that feeling that you get on the first take. The musicians are up for it. Everything is exciting. After that, the musicians are bored. And Frank knew that, I think, because he always went for the first take. I mean, if there were a little bit of a a mistake in 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 the orchestration or something, he didn't care. It, it was that feeling that he was after. And he's right. Through recording all those years, I realized that the musicians beget, become bored after the first take, going over and over and over. I think it's, it, <laughs> the music suffers after a while. Yeah, you're saying it's best to have a bit of, of an alive feeling the feeling of it being live in the recording studio. Absolutely, and, and uh, that, that a bit of tension makes for a better recording, I think. When you look at all of the legendary names that you've recorded and performed with, is it possible to pick an artist that you felt was the most consummate musician? I'd say Frank. Wow. I'd say Sinatra, because... Uh, he knew music. I mean, he knew what he wanted. He knew, I don't know. I just, he was the guy. He was definitely the guy when it came to records. He, he knew how to record. He knew, he knew the dispositions of the musicians. He just had it all. You know, I mean, Perry Como, Dean Martin, on and on the people I've recorded with. Frank took command. He, there was something about his charisma that, that was lightning. It was great all the time, every time. Our special guest is percussionist Emil Richards. I think this is very interesting. The jazz combo that you performed with Sinatra around the world. Yes. Touring. Tell us about that experience. What was that like? That was wonderful. Uh, there were six musicians, some of the top guys that were recording in Hollywood in those days. He picked six of us and we went around the world with him and he founded hospitals in every country that we went to. He founded children's hospitals. He raised enough money to start construction on children's hospitals all over the world. Even in Israel at that time, whatever was the Israeli-Arab border is where he founded a hospital. We we were there 10 days and we went up and down the country of Israel and, and founded hospitals everywhere there. Jack Kennedy was president at that time and he asked Frank to do it under the auspices of the State Department and Frank said, I've got my own plane. I'll take care of this. I'll pay for this. And Jack Kennedy said, well, then I'll have the ambassadors from every country meet you so you don't have to worry about going through customs and all of that stuff. So we had the pleasure of of the ambassadors getting us in and out of the country without any hassle. And uh, 
the rest Frank took care of. It was just a great tour, and the music was great. Frank was very conscientious about our having to set up and get to each place and set up the music and all. He was always very kind to the musicians. He knew our problems and took that always into consideration. It was just great. It was one of the best tours I ever did. This tour, the fact that it helped people, you know, it helped found the hospital in Israel for Jewish and Arab children. Do you think a lot of people aren't aware of the things that Frank Sinatra did to help people? I don't think they they are aware. He took care of so many people. Bella Lugosi, uh, just so many people that he came to the front and took care of their hospital bills and he never, nobody talked about that. He would tell everyone, just please don't say anything. I'm doing this for you. He helped a lot of people that were not aware of all the, all the good he did for people. It was in his style. He just wanted to help people and respected people for who they were and what they were. And he didn't want any credit for any of that. I had the opportunity to watch this filmed concert performances of Robert Davi in concert. And you're playing vibraphone. The first song that I watched was Pennies from Heaven. Hmm. Tell us about meeting Robert Davi. How did you meet him? Gosh, I don't even remember. All I know is the first time I met him, we became fast friends. And I don't even remember what that was. It's been about three or four years that I've been connected with Robert Davi, and uh, we just became fast friends. I don't remember the first time. I'd have to stop and think of all that, but he's great. He's a great guy. We've got along from the very beginning. He's a talented guy. He, He studied opera as a kid, and he does the American Songbook better than most people do out there. You mentioned you got along with him right away. What is it about him that made him so simpatico to you? I think it, the, our Italian heritage, we're both Italian, and uh, his people came from Sicily, and my mom came from Sicily, and uh, I think that's part of the rapport. The musical talent is another part of the rapport. It, uh, just He's just a warm guy, and uh, easy to like, and easy to know, and easy to be around. He's passionate, isn't he? Yes. Yes, he is. Were you surprised the first time you heard his voice? Yes, I was. <laughs> I, only, I only knew him as a gangster in the movies. When I heard him sing, I was very surprised. Do you feel like there's kind of a sensitivity about him that a lot of people wouldn't realize? Yes, definitely. I think he's going to be one of the... Uh, most well-known singers of this era when he gets more exposure out there. Uh, Everybody just knows him as an actor, or most people know him as an actor, but they're very surprised when they hear his singing. Uh, It's wonderful. I mean, he's got real operatic background as far as his learning is concerned in the way of music, and uh, uh, 
it shows. It really shows in his, his performance. Is there a song that you most enjoy performing live with Robert Davi? I like them all. He keeps coming up with new stuff. You know, he doesn't want to bore the musicians or he likes learning new things all the time. So every time we perform, he's got an, at least one or two new songs to put in his repertoire. It's really great. What is coming up in the future for you, Emil? Well, I just got back from Tokyo this week. I did my army hitch in Tokyo. I was in an army band in the 50s. I've been back a few times. I was there with Sinatra. I was there uh, uh, on my honeymoon after the army bit. But I just went back to work at a jazz club for a week in Tokyo, and that was wonderful. I'm just back like three or four days. I don't like to go out too much because I'm still not that active, but I'm still active in the film recording studios. Uh, I, I just finished a picture this week. As soon as I got back, I was I missed one day of this movie. Zoo, zoo. Oh gosh, it was, it's an animated film for Disney that we just worked on. Ah, the composer Michael Giacchino who's really a great composer. I've been doing all his work. I don't know what the future holds. I I have a a quartet, jazz quartet that I play with around town and uh, a 17-piece big band that's playing also around town. So I, I don't know. Uh, we took a quartet to Tokyo, and that was a, a pleasant surprise. I'm in my 80s. I don't know about traveling all that much, but I do enjoy it, especially with Robert. I like going out with Robert Davi. But that's not that often with him, although he should be busy enough to be working all the time. He's still active as a, an actor, so he's got two careers. So, What is the best thing about being Emil Richards? Music. I'm just so happy about music. It's my life. I mean, 83 years old and I'm still performing, uh, I think it helps keep you young. So I had a great music teacher, a theorist that I studied with for a lot of years, and he used to say, I'll be a, a musician till I die, and I'll keep learning about music until I die. And I like that, and I've taken that as my mantra. There's, you can never know enough about a subject, I think, and especially about music. So that's something that I I keep li- listening to, learning about, and uh, performing. This is an open-ended question. What would you say to anyone who's listening, wherever they're listening from? I just wish they had the love of what they do in their life, as I do, I'll be a, a student till I die. I want to keep learning as much as I can about my subject. And I just hope that people can find something that they really enjoy working with so that they never tire of doing it or wish they had had to quit or retire. It's not about money. It's not about anything but Yeah, you got to have a little bit of money to live, but 
the love of music is something that just keeps me going. I don't know. It's just, I'm fortunate to have that as my career and I just want to keep playing as long as I can. My last question. Who is Emile Richards? A guy I'm trying to figure out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy with my life. I'm happy with my grandchildren. Just happy with everything that goes on in my existence. And as long as I can be around, I want to be involved with music. I think that's the mantra, music for me. It helps me enjoy my family more, my friends, and appreciate life. Mr. Richards, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you sharing your story. Well, thank you for asking me. Have a wonderful day. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Godspeed. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye.